Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a very, very special guest, Dr. Thomas Levy. He is a cardiologist and a lawyer to boot. He's the author of, I don't know how many books now. I think he's up to 13 or 14 books. And he's just brought out a book called Rapid Virus Recovery. He's an incredible man with an incredible knowledge base. And this is an interview really worth uh, listening to if you are concerned at all about the current pandemic or the current uh, uh, vaccines or any of this, uh, these topics. It's a very important interview, and I do hope you enjoy uh, listening to the show. Before we head over, I'd love if you can give us a rating and review for this uh, podcast and help share it with your family and friends. And that I'd love you to visit me over on lisatarmati.com as well. And if you need help with anything, any health journeys, uh, any run coaching, anything like that, please check out what we do. Hit the work with us button and you'll see all of our programs over there. Um, I hope you enjoy this. I was very, very lucky to get an hour with Dr. Thomas Levy. And it's, it's going to be a life-changing interview for many people people it's going to help so so many so make sure you do not miss this one right over to the show with dr thomas levy well hey everyone welcome back to pushing the limits today i have dr thomas levy with me again who was a guest on my show last year where we talked about uh curing the incurable and vitamin c was the topic of the day and it's been one of the most popular episodes on my podcast and today i've had the privilege of having dr levy back on the show and today we're going to be talking about uh his new book rapid virus recovery among other things and we're going to be talking to people about their health and how they can protect their health in this time of COVID and in this time where we're all getting vaccinated and so on. Um, And we're going to be diving deep into Dr. Levy's knowledge. So Dr. Levy, thank you for taking the time today. It's very, very appreciated. Uh, Welcome back to the show. A pleasure. Happy you're having me back. (laughs) It's a real pleasure to have you. Um, You have just put out a book called Rapid Virus Recovery. Can you, uh, obviously our, our world is in a state of, of mayhem and has been for the last year and a half, two years, however long, it seems to be a very long time. Um, but there, we've got millions of people who have had the COVID virus, millions of people struggling with long, uh, long COVID they call it long COVID syndrome. We've also got lots of people who have been vaccinated and are having some difficulties uh, with the vaccine. Can you tell us a little bit what this book is about and what your article was also about that was in the Author Molecular magazine recently? That would be a good Well, the book, Rapid Virus Recovery, uh, I wrote at the beginning of this year, about February or March, And I did it because I had been working with hydrogen peroxide nebulization, the inhalation of a fine mist of hydrogen peroxide, for several years for my own problems that I had with chronic sinuses and colds and flu. And it worked enormously well. And so that triggered me to do more research on it. Uh, I will do things to myself more quickly than I'll... Uh, inflict them on other people. Okay. I I know what risks I want to take and what I don't want to take. So I was just uh, going along uh, footloose and fancy free. And then when the pandemic hit, 
somewhere along the line in reading literature on the vitamin C and the hydrogen peroxide nebulization, I came across an article that showed that the cells lining the lung airways, the epithelial cells, actually make and express hydrogen peroxide into the air. Oh, wow. Okay, and I said, my goodness. And it was very obvious, at least obvious to me at that point in time, that the only reason hydrogen peroxide was being expressed into the air was to act as a natural antipathogen to any pathogens that you inhaled with every breath that you took. And the more I researched on hydrogen peroxide, the more I saw that it was a completely natural product inside the body, produced in large amounts, highly stable, not unstable like many people think. It only becomes unstable when it's in a microenvironment where it needs to kill a pathogen. And the amounts are enormous. Up, up to 5% of the oxygen in every breath that you take, the body converts into hydrogen peroxide inside wow. the body. Wow. So it's a huge amount. Yeah. And when you stop and think about the simplicity, you have water, oxygen, hydrogen peroxide, water, H2O, oxygen, O2, hydrogen peroxide, H2O2. I mean, they're all kissing cousins, as yep. the expression goes. So I saw then that there was a lot of literature support for the positive effects that I've been getting myself for two years. Uh, and along with a lot more articles and research that I did, I decided to get the book out as quickly as possible as my way, I hope, to end the pandemic. And I firmly believe that the pandemic would be completely over if everybody knew about this. In two weeks, there wouldn't be a person left on the planet with COVID. And the reason for that also is because the hydrogen peroxide is completely cheap, available, yeah. non-toxic, uh, whereas everything else has a doctor or a hospital attached to it. And we have a lot of other wonderful therapies for viruses like COVID, like uh, uh, even bacteria, strep throat, but they require a prescription. Uh, they require a facility, mm. uh, all of this stuff. They require expense, okay? All of this... Uh, and this is also why when people say, well, I need more literature on this. Well, I've got news for you. The healthcare industry is not <laughs> the slightest bit interested in spending it's millions true. of dollars on research on something that will generate them nothing. Yeah. Quite the contrary to generating nothing. It will take money out of their pocket and take away prolonged expensive hospitalizations and antibiotics and intubations and you name it. When hydrogen peroxide gets broken down after it kills the pathogen, it leaves water and oxygen. So non-toxic. Non, not only is it non-toxic, water and oxygen are the two most important things exactly. for healing a damaged tissue. So after you kill the pathogen, hydrating it with water, oxygenating it with oxygen gives you the ideal microenvironment for that previously infected damaged tissue to heal. So. Yep. That's uh, where, where we said with that, the article I wrote, Canceling the Spike Protein, uh, that goes off into a little different arena, but we're all now realizing that, as you mentioned uh, at the top of this, there's a lot of people who, even after they overcome the acute episode of COVID, they really stay sick. Almost mm -hmm. indefinitely. 
Yep. Uh, short of breath, no energy, uh, a variety of symptoms, headaches, you name it. A lot of bowel disorders. And that's something else, too, where oh. they found in these chronic COVID patients, uh, they, I think some 40% of the time they've isolated COVID in the stool. Wow. So the COVID hasn't left the body at all. And this is another wonderful reason for the nebulization. Okay. Unless you take a specific measure, high dose vitamin C, hydrogen peroxide nebulization, uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, ozone, any of these things, true antiviral measures, unless you take that and go through a proper protocol, even if you clinically resolve or clinically get better, most of the time you will not have completely eliminated the COVID virus or COVID pathogen, whatever the heck it is, from your body. Right. Uh, and this is something else that is covered in the Rapid Virus Recovery book is <clears throat> whenever you had a cold, whenever you had the flu, whenever you had any upper respiratory infection, and then you took your soup and you took your aspirin and you got your bed rest and then you finally felt better, you have not gotten rid of the pathogen. Yes. Right. You instead have converted the acute infection into something lining the mucous membranes of your nose, pharynx, and throat called chronic pathogen colonization, covered up by a biofilm that prevents any antibiotic from getting rid of it. It's only something like hydrogen peroxide, and there are a few other agents, that dissolves the biofilm and then kills the pathogens underneath. And why is that important? Well, even though you might feel completely normal up here, 24-7, as the young people like to say, you're swallowing pathogens and you're swallowing toxins that are being produced by this chronic presence. And that's significant because all disease is excess oxidation. Hmm. The only damage a toxin does is causes oxidation. So you're getting excess oxidation. You're growing new bugs in the microbiome in your gut. You're causing leaky gut syndrome by poisoning the uh, connections between the intestinal cells, allowing yep. pathogens and toxins to get into you. And all of that is very effectively addressed by hydrogen peroxide nebulization. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so so this is something that people have probably not even heard. I heard this first time when we did the interview last year on intravenous vitamin C after my dad passed and I was doing a, a series on intravenous vitamin C and you told me about the nebulization then. I went and got myself one and it, it, it's a little device, people, you can just Google nebulization and nebulizers. You get 3% hydrogen peroxide. Food grade is fine, isn't it, Dr. Levy? Sure. Yep. Um, put a little bit of that in. I think it's one to three cc's and start breathing that. And you have a protocol in your book. Um, if you've got COVID, how many times a day? Three times a day, I think between 15 exactly. and 30 minutes. Um, and, and this, you know, people's brain goes to uh, hydrogen peroxide. Isn't that a disinfectant? Isn't that what we use to bleach? things isn't that what we use on surfaces and therefore is this not a caustic and dangerous thing to be putting on the inside of our body can you address that concern yeah it kills pathogens inside the body as well as outside the body <clears throat> but the point is is it's everything except maybe vitamin c ironically is toxic applied inappropriately and at the wrong doses and at the wrong uh, concentration everything certainly there's no prescription drug available 
that you can't kill yourself with or even cause yeah. moderate damage. Okay. Yeah. So just because hydrogen peroxide is perfectly capable of sterilizing your kitchen counter doesn't mean you can't use it inside your body. When it turns out, it's one of the most natural substances that your body makes in very large amounts. As a matter of fact, when you start nebulizing 3% hydrogen peroxide, in a minute or two, you've raised your blood oxygen level by about 3%. So it's almost like having a poor man version of nasal cannula oxygen. Wow. The other thing I'd like to say, too, is uh, after I got all of this going and the book was circulating, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Columbia, where I have some family members, and where I had left a nebulizer with one of my wife's friends because she had had a cold a couple years earlier, okay? Well, she got such a dramatic response from that that she kind of begged me to keep the nebulizer. So I said, fine, here's the nebulizer, here's the peroxide. And this all happened about three to four months before the pandemic hit. Well, she just being the big-hearted person that she was started after the pandemic hit, because I said cold or any virus, she started offering her nebulizer to people in the community and over the course of time treated 20 patients with advanced COVID. By advanced, I mean many of them were test positive, but nearly all of them already had severe shortness of breath. Yep. So if you've got COVID and you're short of breath, if you don't do something dramatic, you're pretty close to death. Wow. Okay. Yep. Now, she did something that I would never have been able to do, but would have liked to be able to do, which is see how good hydrogen peroxide is by itself. I wouldn't be able to do to that because it'd be unethical. I'd have to yeah. give somebody vitamin C and everything I can. You know, you're not going, well, in the case of Columbia, it wasn't available. All they had was the peroxide nebulization. And this is written up uh, uh, in, in another one of the yeah, orthomolecular story. articles. Yeah. She cured 20 of 20 patients in five days, completely and totally, solely with hydrogen peroxide nebulization given solely by itself. Wow. So that was some, some pretty profound feedback. And so I've, I've not hesitated to uh, recommend this to everybody. And like I said, certainly I'm not recommending it as a monotherapy, even though it proved itself as a monotherapy. I mean, if you're sick... <laughs> And you have uh, vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc and quercetin and uh, magnesium chloride. I mean, you take them all, no doubt about it. <laughs> exactly. And if you have a doctor willing to prescribe you ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, you damn well take it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but it, it was a very dramatic proof to me as to how powerful the vitamin C was as a standalone monotherapy. Yeah, and and this is like, this is so interesting to me because you know when I have a discussion with my local doctors and things, and they say, "But aren't you scared of vitamin C?" And I'm I'm sorry of, of COVID, and I'm like, "Hell no, I'm not scared of it. I'm I am more scared of the other <laughs> things like the vaccine because I it, it is for me in my mind my mind um, still experimental, still going to change uh, your perhaps your 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 even your germline and your genetics and your fertility and things like that." Um, which is all going to be borne out in the next few years. We'll see. Um, well, the thing about this, too, that people need to realize, this is not pro-vaccine. This is anti-vaccine. This is a question I posed to anybody listening to this. Why would you take 
anything that does have known side effects, you can argue how often or you can argue how severe, but has known side effects and has caused myocarditis that has killed some people. So something that, however infrequently, is potentially fatal or debilitating. Why would you take that when you have complete and total ability to cure the thing it's trying to protect you from? Yeah, so exactly. uh, rationalize it any way you want. Uh, obviously, most people have not been able to get the information that we're talking about yes. right now, which is why we want to get the word out. And that word is stop being afraid. Uh, COVID is easily cured. Cured. I use that word because I mean it. Cured. Not made better. Cured. Doggone it. Eliminated. And <laughs> Uh, if you choose not to believe this, uh, I mean, that's that's on you, whoever's listening. Uh, I have I have no uh, no dog in the hunt, as they say. I mean, the, no the, book, I'm giving, no, yeah, the book I'm giving away for giving free. It away. I mean, we, yeah. we've had one hundred and thirty one thousand downloads now around the world. I'd like to end up seeing that being several million before yeah. it's all done. But word is getting around. Uh, I get. Emails nonstop every day uh, thanking me for, well, uh, if not saving their lives, allowing them to resolve their COVID more quickly. Mm. And it's just, uh, and I've also had some other things too, you know. Let me just say this, uh, the little sidebar, okay? And that is, uh, and I certainly didn't uh, advertise it this way, but a physician, a colleague of mine, who knew about the hydrogen peroxide nebulization, had a uh, advanced cancer patient, big mass on the lung, non-small cell squamous carcinoma by biopsy, mm -hmm. big lump, uh, feeling pretty bad and having a lot of diarrhea. Well, he started them on the hydrogen peroxide nebulization because I talked about how it normalizes the gut. Well, the diarrhea disappeared fairly quickly. And for that alone, the patient was ecstatic. And then he wrote me back two months later, as the guy continued on the regimen that we talked about, and said they can't find the tumor anymore. Holy heck, Crocky, I need to know that because okay. I'm dealing with mum now cancer. <laughs> you gotta remember <laughs> all cancers are caused by excess oxidative stress with a few other cofactors at the site uh, where they develop. And most of the time that excess oxidative stress is due to pathogens, is due to a chronic pathogen Viral. colonization, yep. similar to what we're talking about. Yep. So She's you knock out the blood. pathogens yep. completely, you get oxygen in there, and it's amazing what you what the body can do when you give it a chance to heal itself. Wow. And so, so because when I was studying your, reading your work and studying, I know a lot about uh, hyperbaric, obviously. I know a lot about intravenous vitamin C, obviously. Um, and the, the hydrogen peroxide, I've only been doing a deeper dive into that since your, your, your work. But these are all part of the oxidative medicine family. And then that also includes ozone therapy as well as, uh, UVBI, ultraviolet blood irradiation. <clears throat> and everything that, well, in my my mind is just as a lay researcher. Everything that is antiviral is also anti-cancer. That's how I'm sort of starting to see. Is that a, is that a, is that a 
uh, accurate assessment of the, the, the you know, is that Absol- why? Absolutely. Oxygen? I mean, it's not just viruses, but definitely viruses are the culprit many times. But yes, uh, a chronic infection times, of any yeah. kind uh, can uh, secondarily damage the tissue and keep it in a uh, uh, acidotic state, acid yep. state. Uh, and this can uh, evolve then cancer. Okay, no doubt about that. So wow. it's a very real observation. You know, you're talking about the bio-oxidative therapies and mm. vitamin C, actually, along with hydrogen peroxide and ultraviolet blood irradiation and all the variety of ozone therapies and hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And incidentally, this patient that resolved at least all apparent evidence of the cancer after two months of the nebulization was also getting hyperbaric oxygen treatments as well. Yep. Okay. Yep. But he had been getting them even before he started yep. the peroxide nebulization. So it didn't appear that uh, the uh, hyperbaric enough. as yep. a standalone therapy was, was going to get the job done. But once you're able to get something down into the lungs and start resolving, remember all diseases, cancers too, All disease requires stopping new oxidation and repairing old oxidation. That's Mm -hmm. it. You got to stop the new oxidation and you have to repair the old oxidation. And if you continue to have pathogens in the lungs proliferating, you're even if you're doing a highly effective therapy, you're you're pushing, pulling, you're going one One step step forward, forward, two steps back. So, my mentor, Dr. Huggins, told me some 25, 30 years ago, we were talking about a similar subject. He said, Tom, I said, yes, sir. He said, you realize, of course, you can't dry off while you're still in the shower. <laughs> good analogy. Okay. He, he was I pretty mean, good I, at those sort of analogies. Nothing, nothing except, I mean, think about it. That, that's, <laughs> but sometimes when you have 10 people tolling you off at the same time, you could feel better even though you're continuing with the shower. So I'm not telling somebody who doesn't want to do all the things that I recommend not to take supplements because they definitely help it. I mean, to the degree that you repair old oxidation, you will get better. You just won't get the outcome that you're looking for until you stop the new oxidation. And, and that's another story off. we could talk about sometime, but that all comes from the mouth. Yes, and Dr. Uh, Huggins, uh, Huggins was was an expert dentist back in the day, wasn't he? And who, yes. who uh, you saw some miracles happen in his clinic and actually changed from being a cardiologist and going in, in this direction that you're now doing, which was a fascinating story in itself. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd call him the world's first and most significant biological dentist. Yeah, and I wish they were on every street corner because I'm sure <laughs> I've got some stuff going on. But to get, again, I think you and I, you know, me in the last six years uh, with the journeys that I've been through with my family's health have come to realize that if it doesn't make money, it's not going to be offered. And everything is about 20 years behind the current research in clinical actual practice on the ground. It's often, you know, 20 years behind stroke, rehabilitation, cancer stuff. They don't even, when I go to the oncologist with mum or the hematologist in her case, and I say, do you know anything about the metabolic approach to cancer? And they just roll their eyes at me, you know, and I'm like, 
It's just like my, a long my, time. my take has been most medical doctors, well, DOs as well, doctors of osteopathy, really symbolically consider getting their medical degree as their certificate for allowing them to never think again. You know, <laughs> here I am, I've arrived. Whatever, whatever this patient has, there's a protocol. Well, heck, why are you even there then? Bring the patient in, have them fill out the forms, put it in the computer and let the computer do the rest of the work because the computer is going to miss less than you will on a variety of laboratory findings and x-ray findings and everything else. So, so don't even slow the patient down. If you've got nothing to offer your patient other than pl plugging them in to a protocol from the Washington uh, Manual of Medicine, why even pretend to be a doctor? Yeah. And the, and, and, and it's the standard of care and don't step outside the box. Don't think is very much a, like you are. There are some great doctors and I, and I get to work with a lot of great doctors and they are people that think outside the square and are up on the latest stuff and who are actually like our mutual friend, Dr. Ron Hunnhaki, who we mentioned on the last podcast, wonderful doctor actually cares actually doing the the work you know and i and i and i know what i'm saying sounds pretty um and i have some wonderful you know local gps that i work with are fantastic um but i i've i've seen this i've lost family members i lost my dad last year so i, I i'm pretty pretty angry at the, at the at the way the system is going because i know that things could have been done and that's not to say we don't have brilliant surgeons like we just had a brilliant surgeon take out a brain tumor like they are brilliant at that stuff Absolutely. But when it comes to chronic disease, you've got to understand that big pharma is behind a lot of this sort of stuff and they don't want you to get well. And, you, you know, you better understand that and go, okay, what can we do? And so coming back to the, the hydrogen peroxide and the, and the oxidative, uh, um, oxidative medicine therapies, what is it, what is it that actually helps uh, in, in attacking COVID. So the hydrogen peroxide is actually uh, killing the pathogen, but it's not, it's also a pro-oxidant. And this is where a lot of people get uh, confused. The same with vitamin C. Uh, it's a pro-oxidant at high levels when given intravenously. Why is being a pro-oxidant a good thing in certain cases if oxidative well, stress well, is, a, is a bad thing? Well, first of all, vitamin C can have a pro-oxidant effect at certain doses in certain microenvironments. It's always an antioxidant. It's always an electron donor. Vitamin C does not have the chemical ability to take electrons, to oxidize. It can only donate electrons. Mm -hmm. But when you put it in conjunction with hydrogen peroxide, and I find this very fascinating. I'll, I'll try to express it clearly because it explains well, for example, you put hydrogen peroxide, I have a little video on this, it's fascinating. You put hydrogen peroxide and vitamin C together, test tube, nothing happens. Then you add a little iron and it just blows up. Fenton okay. reaction, yeah. Fenton reaction. And the reason why vitamin C works so well with hydrogen peroxide is because the fenton reaction is killing the pathogen. It's producing something called hydroxyl radical, right. highly pro-oxidant, just destroys anything there. Now, in order to do a job completely, a reaction needs to continue to be fed new reagents. 
Mm-hmm. You just can't have a small amount. Then it does it. It burns itself off and you haven't done the job. Mm. So you need to have a way where it can continue to completion. Yep. That happens with pathogens. Peroxide is naturally present inside the cell. When you take large doses of vitamin C, they go into the cell. The vitamin C donates an electron to ferric ion 3 plus, mm-hmm. makes it ferrous ion 2 plus. And by the intermediary of this iron, it takes the electron from vitamin C and donates it to hydrogen peroxide. When it does that, hydrogen peroxide breaks down into water in this hydroxyl radical, causing the enormous oxidative effect that kills pathogens. But when you keep on giving the large amounts of vitamin C, you do a couple of other things. One is the presence of the vitamin C causes a very high production of hydrogen peroxide outside the cell, which can then diffuse into the cell. So mm-hmm. you, so the, perox- so the vitamin C produces more peroxide. And once the peroxide comes into the cell, it mobilizes iron from its storage site in ferritin so that you have more of the iron in the cytoplasm to work with the vitamin C and the peroxide. So just by continuing to give large amounts of vitamin C, you not only cause the reaction to go, but you supply more hydrogen peroxide, indirectly supply more iron so that it can continue until the job is completely done. Just incredibly, incredibly elegant. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. A couple of questions there, um, and, and uh, my brain's just firing on different things here. I've been studying ferroptosis uh, in relation to trying to cut, uh, kill cancer cells. That is re- uh, reliant on uh, iron, a- and it's also lipid peroxidation. Is that part of this? Well, chem- the important thing reaction? to remember about iron and cancer and infections, all pathogens accumulate iron and the more iron you put into the body the more more you fuel the infection right same thing with cancer cancer cells accumulate iron and the more you put iron into the body and the cancer cell accumulates more iron the more malignant and metastatic uh it becomes wow so iron and and they've also shown 
that agents which chelate iron bring cancers under control and bring infections under control. And in fact, some of the most important antibiotics that we know of, some of them are the, uh, I think the tetracyclines, for example, Mm -hmm. are iron chelators. Oh, is doxycycline one of those? Yes. Uh, Yes. I've got a couple of clients that I'm working with who have hemochromatosis, which is basically too much iron um, in the body's producing too much. Is it dangerous for them in this particular case to have intravenous vitamin C? Um, you know, is there? A- you know, they have reports in the literature of people having problems with that, but by and large, no. But if you have hemochromatosis, you just you and your doctor need to be aware. Uh, and if you start taking an IV and you don't feel well, you stop the IV. But most, for the most part, and it's funny that it would be this way because it implies that one mechanism works in one person and another mechanism must apply in another person. But bottom line is many people do manage to mobilize and get rid of iron with vitamin C therapies, whereas there are an occasional patient that feels a little worse when they get it. So, uh like anything else, a, a clinical medicine has to be modified nice. to the patient. So there's, there's not just like a strict yes or no, good or bad. To start on, on a lower front. dose. If yes, you, uh, yes exactly. Because, yeah, so, yeah, I'm thinking one person in particular that I'm working who's been um, having a massive adverse reaction to the vaccines who also has hemochromatosis, so a bit of a double whammy there going on. Um, and uh, looking at the intravenous vitamin C, and trying to decide whether that's a, uh, a good you know, part of the protocol for them. We had uh, mentioned this earlier before we started recording. And for patients who can find an integrative physician who's open to the idea, that's a big introduction, but <laughs> uh, combining low-dose hydrocortisone with your oh, vitamin yes. C massively puts more vitamin C inside the cell. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I've actually, Dr. Honey Hockey, Dr. Miki Rova and I did a study about three years ago, and it showed very clearly that when you're giving patients vitamin C, regular, regular vitamin C, liposome encapsulated vitamin C, and then Add hydrocortisone to the mixture, the amount that goes inside the cells is massively increased. Wow. That's like uh, Dr. Merrick's study. Didn't he do with uh, in, in relation yes. to sepsis and um, That's hydrocortisone right. with vitamin C? It's not, I don't know that it's actually recognized at all. I was going to say well recognized, but, and that is that looking at models of inflammation, inflammation really is just a synonym for an area with a lot of oxidation, mm. usually pathogen related. And because of that, all the vitamin C is gone. Yeah. You've, you've, you've used up all the vitamin Scurvy. C. Yeah, and, very, and, and for all intents and purposes, to, to keep this clear, inflammation, focal inflammation is the same thing as focal scurvy. They both occur at the same time. Now, and here's where, where we bring this into play. Inflammation, focal scurvy, triggers an acute immune inflammatory reaction, acute immune system reaction to quell the inflammation. 
Well, what does quelling inflammation mean? It means you're bringing in antioxidant impact to cool off the pro-oxidant impact. So what's the first cell that arrives there? It's the monocyte or the macrophage, which has 80-fold or 8,000% more vitamin C than the surrounding area. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So what you're doing, it's my contention. Now, those are all facts. Now I'm going to tell you what my speculation is. My speculation is the primary function of the immune system is to supply antioxidant capacity, usually in the form of vitamin C, where it's most acutely depleted. That's it. That's it. Well, that simple. Then when you add to the formula, we talk about the stress, the fight or flight reaction where your adrenals secrete cortisol. Well, that occurs in a setting. The stress really means acute oxidative stress. So what do you do? You're secreting more cortisol to take the vitamin C that's available and push it inside the cells. And that decreases inflammation every time. That's why if I go and have an ice cold shower or jump into some cold water for 10 minutes, I will have more adrenaline in my system, which will actually be an anti-inflammatory. You know, that's my natural go-to in anti-inflammatory rather than drugs, you know. And this is a a well-known phenomenon. And that's so hydrocortisone would be more beneficial at getting in because the macrophages, if they run out of vitamin C, then they can't do their job, can they? Not really. Uh, Hmm. Not, uh, I mean, uh, I guess that the interpretation of that would be your immune system is gone. I mean, if, if if you have a macrophage with little or no vitamin C in it, You've got no immune system. Well, yeah. And so like last year, you know, fighting for my dad's life and he, you know, having sepsis and uh, this massive operation, his body would have just been needing vitamin C like no tomorrow because he would have just sucked it up and used his own reserves very, very quickly. Um, You know, with regard to Dr. Merrick, I appreciate that Dr. Merrick brought to the public awareness the effectiveness of his little formula in sepsis. Mm. However, I think people need to understand that the, resolu- the, <laughs> the resolution of sepsis would be close to 100% at just about any stage, unless it's really advanced and you've had, you're having organ system shutdown. But short of that, forget the rest of it and just give 12 and a half to 25 grams of vitamin C every six hours. You exactly. give 50 to 100 grams a day, and that's it. There's no need for all this other. Now, and the other thing, too, is in sepsis, you have a naturally high circulating level of cortisol. So there's no point in giving more cortisol as part of the protocol. God, yeah. You just need to give the vitamin C because the cortisol needs Because you get the high cortisol level because sepsis causes oxidation. The oxidation goes inside the cell. It oxidizes the cortisol receptors. When the cortisol receptors get oxidized, the cortisol won't bind it. And the body responds by trying to make more and more and more cortisol, which is never going to work as long as the receptor is oxidized. Then you bring the vitamin C in, reduce the oxidized receptors. Cortisol and the rest of the cell starts to work and everything resolves. Right. But in the case of COVID, taking a little bit of hydrocortisone along with your intravenous vitamin C might be a good 
a good thing. In, I would in, say in, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and we're, we're talking very small doses. That's the other thing, too, is really the drug companies have managed to make the medical system and doctors and the public just psychotically afraid of steroids and cortisol. OK, well. A. A milligram. Well, for example, prednisone is like five times more potent than hydrocortisone. So uh, which basically means if you're going to take 10 milligrams of hydrocortisone, OK, and instead you take 10 milligrams of prednisone, it's like you took 60 milligrams of hydrocortisone. Wow. Yeah, that's you good. change the dosage, you change everything. Yeah. Okay. And I can go into the reasons why it's so bad for you, but that's that's unimportant except to say that in a patient who had hyperadrenalism and had the adrenal glands removed, no longer making cortisol, that person needs 35 to 40 milligrams of hydrocortisone to stay healthy and exist. Okay. Wow. Yep. So taking five or 10 or 15 grams of cortisol from time to time is good for you. Okay. Yeah, not gonna... And not only is it good for you, just like the thyroid gland, just like our, our sex glands, the ovaries, the testes, uh, everything burns out, including yeah. the adrenals. Yeah. So just like nearly everybody is slightly hypothyroid, if you do sophisticated enough testing, I guarantee you everybody is hypoadrenal as well. And the body just loves it when you give it give it a little extra cortisol. Cortisol, not cortisol. Cortisol. Okay. Cortisol is the name of it while it's made in the body. Hydrocortisone is the name of it when it's applied as a medication. Right. Okay. So no doses. But obviously for anybody listening, they do need a sympathetic Doctor. and understanding uh, integrative or alternative physician because you, you, you can't get the hydrocortisol without a prescription. Yes, but that would be a, a and, and this on the FLCCC, the um, protocols there for uh, COVID. Um, yeah. in, in but that was intravenous. That. That they were, they were, that was all part of an intravenous protocol, presumably in the intensive care unit. Right. Okay. So in that case, in your case. So if we, if we step back a little bit, um, a lot of people, uh, and I'm dealing with some of them in, in, in what, I, with I, what I do. And in my friend circle, I've seen a lot of adverse reactions to the vaccine. And I know that a lot of people won't believe that and, um, and so on and so forth. But if, if somebody is struggling with an adverse reaction to any of the vaccines, what can they do to support their body getting back to health? So these are people not had COVID, but have had the vaccine what can people do to get back to health again? Because I'm seeing people who are not well, myocarditis, shortness of breath, brain fog, tremors, uh, even you know, strokes, aneurysms, heart attacks, uh, all of these types of things. What can people do? Well, Is there anything they can do? They have something called the spike protein. Now, most people have seen the little mm -hmm. cartoon pictures yep. of covid and it's a little ball surrounded by spikes, kind of like a round baby porcupine, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, well, the little spikes are called the spike protein, and they facilitate the uh, entrance of the virus into the cell that's getting infected. They penetrate, some enzymes are released, part of the cell wall is dissolved, and the whole virus goes in, starts replicating. Well, 
to oversimplify, not oversimplify, but to simplify most, if not all, of these new vaccines have not inactivated virus. They have just the spike protein. They're mm-hmm. giving just the spike protein with the idea, presumably, that in making an antibody against a spike protein, that'll give you an antibody against the entire virus. Well, as it turns out, and there's unfortunately for anybody who who thinks it's wonderful, there's a lot of evidence that you just don't get this one dose of spike protein and have an immune reaction and then have your circulating antibodies and everything's finally good. Instead, it appears that even though it's not the entire virus, the spike protein in getting inside the cell can promote its own replication. There are a lot of other studies that show the spike protein is a toxin by itself. Mm. So if you don't have a self-limited amount of spike protein to induce the antibody response, but instead have, and you know, what do people always get for a few days? A little fever, a little soreness. Well, that's that's not reacting to a nutrient. That's reacting to a toxin. So you're getting a response to the toxicity. You just don't want to have a situation where the toxin reproduces and replicates itself. I mean, how diabolical and awful would it be to take a poison that once it got inside your body, it continues generating new. Now, everybody seems to have a different type of response, Mm. but most of the responses appear to be due to excess and ongoing spike protein presence in different tissues. Uh, they have the little binding sites and the spike protein will my, maybe bind to uh, the vascular endothelium, resulting in increased blood clotting, uh, to the heart cells, causing myocarditis, uh, to a number of other areas. And all of this species, yep. appears to be effectively treated with initially very high dose vitamin C, preferably intravenously, but also a good steady high dose oral, uh, along with hydrogen peroxide nebulization to completely eliminate any residual virus because not only in the vaccinated patients, but certainly in some of the chronic COVID patients, long haul patients, they call them, even after they're over the acute infection, no fever, no this out of the other, they're clearly not well. They're very short of breath. They have no energy. They just feel like a a dish rag that's been wrung out. Many of these patients, they've been able to identify persistent COVID in the stool. So you Mm -hmm. never got rid of the COVID virus. Those colonies again. And and this is why the uh, colonization concept is so important. Uh, Whether you're dealing with COVID or whether you're just dealing with a cold that you had uh, a month ago, uh, unless you have a specific biofilm dissolving pathogen killing intervention such as hydrogen peroxide but it's not the only thing that'll do that you're going to keep that colonization for life wow and this is why people have bowel disorders for life people when they get irritable bowel syndrome they don't just get over it in a month or a year or two once they get it they got it once they get leaky gut they got it Once they get gluten sensitivity because of the leaky gut, they got it. 
But if you stop swallowing the pathogens and the toxins, it's incredible how quickly the gut can heal. Wow. So this is not just for COVID now. We're talking about no, uh, health for so anybody. Like in, and I know a lot of the cancers, like in mum's case, who she's got the Epstein-Barr virus, uh, has she's had that, and that's what's caused the lymphoma currently. And I wasn't aware of the connection between cancers and viruses. Um, I've had shingles this year. Um, you know, we're all dealing with past viral infections that are hanging around and keep coming back. You know, the shingles has probably been in my body for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, and then it's popped out one day. Exactly. Um, so it's it's in, in there doing its dirty work. And so this might be a way of uh, getting rid of those colonizations of, of viral particles, especially if they're in the, in the digestive tract. So having this nebulizer seems to me to be an absolute must. I've had anecdotal feedback obviously, because I'm not doing a study from patients who have written me. And with the hydrogen peroxide nebulization alone, they've gotten rid of chronic fungal infections, black mold infections, this sort of thing as well. And which is something that really, and and this was a family, the whole family was affected. They had to move out of their house, uh, multiple hospitalizations and this lady just wrote, wrote me the most enthusiastic letter you could imagine saying, my God, we're all healed from our black mold illness. I can't believe wow. it. Thank you so much. So wow. it applies to any pathogen. I mean, yes, we're talking about viruses here, but bacteria, protozoa, fungi, you name it. I suspect even prions. Okay, those as well. Wow. So hydrogen peroxide, and, and it's cheap. It's easy to access, even if you're in the well, middle of... I don't know, some crazy... It's designed by nature. Actually, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Yeah, because nature doesn't work. That your body has a mechanism, (laughs) if you support that mechanism, for dealing with killing any pathogen you encounter. I mean, if the body didn't have that, we'd all be dead and we'd have never survived as a species. Yeah, yeah. But that's the mechanism designed by nature, I like to call it, especially the interaction between vitamin C and hydrogen peroxide. So can I just ask you on the whole oxidative medicine strategies? So we're talking about ozone, ultraviolet blood irradiation, hydrogen peroxide nebulization, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, IV vitamin C. Are they doing all similar but different things in the body and are they supportive to each other? Um, What are they actually doing in the microenvironment there? What are they actually are they all doing well, you the know, same thing? More oxygen not, in the body? Not having done well in biochemistry back <laughs> when I was in med school, uh, a lot of it, my take, so this is my take on it. I, 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 you start filling the, filling the blackboard with formulas, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just lose it. But it does appear to me that they all have the final common denominator of a fentanyl-like reaction. Fentanyl-like reaction and more oxygen being delivered. Because right. right. hydrogen peroxide is an oxygen storage system of sorts, isn't it, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, That's exactly – I mean, think about it. It's a hydrogen storage system that after it kills the pathogen, it releases oxygen. I mean, how yeah. incredibly elegant and wonderful is that? Yeah, so that's a pretty um, simple thing. Can I ask you, too, about the ACE2 receptor? Because everyone knows that the spike protein – um, whether it's the, the COVID or the vaccine, docks onto the ACE2 receptor, and that's how it enters into the cell. If you have had the vaccine and it's replicating 
for goodness knows how long it's actually replicating. I don't think we know mm-hmm. the answer to that one. Is that blocking the function of the ACE2 receptor? And what does the ACE2 receptor actually do in the body? And is that of concern as well? Well, the ACE2 receptor is a receptor that's present on a wide variety of cells. And it's my take that binding the receptor activates the function of that cell. So, yes, I mean, it's pretty logical that if you have a lot of spike protein binding those sites, you're being denied the natural function of whatever that group of cells is. Okay, so... And again, I mean, you can give somebody a given toxin, give 100 people a certain type of toxin, and you'll have 12 different syndromes. Mm. So everybody has their own weak spots, their own proclivities, their own genetic susceptibilities. Uh, so, and this is why in our, my take is that X amount of spike protein is going to be myocarditis of one person. Uh, blood clots and thrombosis in another person, uh, brain fog, stroke, you name it, in another person. It all has to do with the areas of their body that are most susceptible to increase oxidative stress. That makes a whole lot of sense. And and so the, and the ACE2 receptor itself, it's the angio, it's in the angiotensin. Um, what angiotensin is it? converting enzyme. Yeah. What is uh, that? angiotensin is a strong vasopressor uh-huh. causing causing the muscle cells and vessels yeah. to, to contract. And because of that, when you have ACE2 blockers, that's a whole category of anti-hypertensive blood pressure controlling drugs because they bind that. But of course, I just we just said that's the classical picture. ACE2 on blood vessels. But really, to my knowledge, it's not until we saw all this stuff with COVID and the research kind of blew up on this, that at least I heard of ACE receptors being present in so many other tissues throughout the body. Maybe that's been a long known, long known thing. It wasn't long known to me. As a cardiologist, I only learned about uh, ACE, ACE receptors uh, and angiotensin converting enzyme with regard to blood pressure. But obviously, uh, it now appears very conclusive that ACE receptors are in tissues throughout the body. Right. Okay. So, and, and this being blocked will have effects on blood pressure down the down the line, perhaps. We don't know. Yeah. No. No. I. Uh, possibly. I'm. I'm. I'm no, going to connect them. Possibly. Dots. Not possibly. <laughs> no. If if you uh, high blood pressure. Not surprisingly, based on what we were saying, is excess oxidative stress in the blood vessel wall with accumulations of intracellular calcium, decreased intracellular magnesium. And this is the primary situation in which uh, vascular screws, vascular uh, smooth muscle uh, gets increased muscle tone, resulting in a constriction of the blood vessel. Yeah. Increasing blood pressure. Wow. Okay. So, Dr. Dr. Levy, this book, Rapid Virus Recovery, it is available free. Um, as, there's a, a whole list, so I'm, I'm going to put all the, the links to this in the show notes and the, in the, in the captions below. Um, and people can download this free and share this information. Um, what is your take on the, on the, on the, 
is there a light at the end of this horrible tunnel that we're all going through? And do you see a, a resolution? You know, like most viruses tend to get more contagious, less dangerous. Um, do you think that will happen with this one? Is, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Or it, it, there is light if everyone went and got a, a nebulizer, <laughs> which would be the easiest answer. But, yeah. Um, yes, the nebulizer will end this and all future pandemics as well. And if you actually find a pathogen that the hydrogen peroxide nebulization doesn't work for, then all of us are dead, including the people who managed to make it. Yeah, so then it would be a really bad thing. So there does right. not exist on the planet right. at the moment any virus right. that won't respond to hydrogen peroxide or be killed by that's hydrogen correct. peroxide. That's wow, correct. so that's that powerful. So that's a simple, easy thing, people, that you could go out, buy a nebulizer that don't cost the earth, and get some hydrogen peroxide and start there and then add on all the other oxidative uh, medicines and perhaps hydrocortisone uh, if, if and when you can to get those. We don't need to live in fear. And I think that's the whole message of your book. You know, there, there's no I mean, in the United States, in- I don't know about New Zealand. Ever since this started, we have people waiting at the traffic light two, three, and four car lengths behind the <laughs> car in front of your book, I laughed. What is that about? And they're still doing it. I mean, do they think COVID is coming out of the uh, exhaust, exhaust pipe? I, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> and ironically enough, those same people will be shopping in the supermarket, and they don't go crazy if you reach for a product right next to them. I mean, whatever exposure is involved, if there is any, it's far more when two people are standing alongside each other than when two cars are four car lengths behind each other with their windows shut and the air it's conditioning going. So, but <laughs> that has become, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly fascinated about it every day. That's become absolutely fixed yep. in the mindset of the population. I mean, they do it now reflexly. They do this to just, I, I I just need to keep my distance. So I yeah. But it's and crazy. I think it and I think it's like the 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 you know the propaganda machine that's out there like propagating this fear because when you keep people in a fear state, you have control of them. I mean that's complete and total that's control. Complete control. And I can see people being in this absolute state of fear where they will not listen to anything. Uh, they've they've been fed the one narrative and that's it and that's the only thing they ever he- going to hear because they are totally in a state of fear which is it's just sad and horrible and and i want so people don't think i'm coming off arrogant here or anything like this back in february march of last year when all this was coming up one of my best friends almost died of COVID, but, un- but fortunately he had actually was so intelligent. He had been researching it and had gotten some black market chloroquine yep. before this happened. And he knew if he went to the hospital because he was getting more and more and more short of breath, he said the thing was going to exist tonight, but he wasn't going to get a, a ventilator. He took the chloroquine and he started coming out of it. I say that because even though I was aware of hydrogen peroxide at that time, I hadn't put it all together mm. and that wasn't involved there. And so for those of you who might be listening to this saying, well, you know, all this, and you know, all that. No, no, no. I understand the fear because I was scared as hell at that time. Mm. I was scared as hell. Here's something that just about killed 
my extremely healthy 50-year-old best friend, and when is it going to hit me? So I understand the fear. However, you should understand, listening to me, whoever's listening to this, you don't have to have that fear because we have the information and the techniques to deal with it across the board. Across the board. And that's why I'm so, so grateful to you for the work you do. And, you know, all of your books and your, the, I loved in, uh, Curing the Incurable. That was for me just after losing my dad, just like, oh, why didn't I have this a year ago? And wouldn't have made a probably a difference because I wouldn't have got anywhere anyway in the hospital. But this information is helping other people. I've heard of other people who have used my story actually to get help in, 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 in cases in hospitals and so on. So, by sharing this information, we, we we start to chip away. We start to get people the good information. And this way, your work is just so crucial to me um, and to so many people. So I just want to thank you for dedicating yourself to writing these books because I know and, writing a book ain't easy, <laughs> especially in these know, times. There's one, well, there's several unintended consequences, but one major positive, completely unintended consequence of this pandemic is there's more people across the planet, definitely across the United States, taking vitamin C on a regular basis now than ever before. Yep. And zinc and vitamin D. Yeah, and the other two. Yeah. And (laughs) and D D especially. D and C and D especially. But uh, magnesium, zinc, uh, uh, and uh, quercetin. yes, Yes, all of that. All of those are really important pieces of the puzzle as well. So make sure you have those cheap. in your cabinet. And they're cheap. And, and they're cheap and they're easy and they're accessible for most people. Um, so please keep doing this work. And what I love about your work, it's all cited. It's all, uh, you know, you've, you've done the, the deep, hard yards research on all of this and it's everything's in there. So people go and download Rapid Virus Recovery. We will have the links in the show notes below. Dr. Thomas Levy, any words that you would like to share as a final Final parting words here. Well, this is something I say with other interviews and talks as well. And that is, and probably most people that are going to take the time to actually listen to a program like this of yours are probably already in that camp. But let's say you're sort of a little bit curious and you're, you're not really all in. If you don't do the legwork, and study for yourself and figure out what's best for you, but instead just walk into the doctor's office and say, here's my warm body, do whatever you think is best. It's only you that's going to suffer. And if you have a physician that doesn't have the time or inclination to talk with you and discuss things that you want clarification on, don't walk, run out of that office. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And, and there are good ones out there, and I'm so privileged to have some good ones and to know a lot of fantastic doctors who really do care. Um, and so I'm grateful for those ones. But for the ones that don't, yep, find, go find someone else because someone else right. – and do the research, do the hard yards. I and the thing is, is when time. you're sick, you're scared. Yeah. So I understand people, when they get sick, yep. they're scared. And when you get scared, unless it's in your nature – when you're scared, you're not really into researching things and do things. You just want to put your faith in a person, which I'm telling you, most of the time these days is a bad idea. Put your faith in some person and then let the chips fall where they may. 
Yeah, yeah, and that is a dangerous go and get at least, you know, like with mum and her cancer journey at the moment, because I'm finding in cancer research there's an awful lot of politics as well, um, and I've found amazing people doing incredible work, and I'm I'm chucking the bus at it, but it's, you know, like I spend probably six to eight hours a day researching to get her the best, and I'm willing to put that hard yards in to get to find these people to find their work, to study their work, to go and get opinions from everywhere and then start to make a picture and then start to develop my own protocols and my own things that 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 I've put together. Um, and then finding top experts to help. And not everybody has that ability to do that or the willingness to do that, but you have to take responsibility for yourself. Nobody else can take that away from you. You really do have to put in the hard yards. So, Dr. Thomas Levy, thank you for putting in the hard yards for us, writing the book, making it easier for us to actually just read and then make up our own minds. If you're still not convinced after the end of this conversation, at least just go and read the book and then make your, your your own mind up and maybe it's another thing in your arsenal that you can have to get through this bloody pandemic. Dr. Thomas Levy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Wonderful. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.